What's cooking good lookings? Welcome back to another episode of, you know it, Mind the Matter. I'm your host, Sandra Gerges, and I'm so glad you are back. This week, I wanted to cover a topic and a word that we tend to use a lot, but I think it's gotten lost in translation, and it's honestly doing us more harm than good, and that's comfort. Man, oh man, I feel like comfort is something we always strive so hard for, and it's like, I want to wear something comfortable. I want to be comfortable in my lifestyle. I want to be comfortable in my home. I want to be comfortable in my job. And honestly, comfort is an amazing feeling, one that I'm not very familiar with, unfortunately, but we're getting there. But here is my thing with comfort. I think we've all been in places and situations that didn't align. We felt sad, angry, down, fed up, or just simply like done. But we stuck around. And I feel like we all stick around for this one thing. And this applies to work, relationships, friendships, cities, education, career path, anything and everything in your life. Like any walk, any outline of life, whatever it may be. And if we can learn to notice this one thing, and if we can learn to work through it and overcome that, I know for a fact we'd all find ourselves living a much healthier, happier, and more fulfilling life. And in case you haven't guessed it yet, this one thing that I'm talking about is comfort. Believe it or not, situations that aren't calm and peaceful can be comfortable. We typically think of comfort as a state of being where there's no pain, there's no unrest, where there's this inner and outer peace. It comes from within and your environment is also peaceful. However, the thing that we often neglect is that everything, and I mean everything, is subjective, even our definition of comfort. And we may share the same or a similar definition when it comes to understanding, but when it comes to practice, We definitely differ, and I think that's something we often really overlook. And the truth behind comfort is that it's found in familiarity, and no part of familiarity is actually in the definition of comfort. Familiarity is based on a pattern of experiences that each individual goes through, so it's something that's very unique to each and every single person. And what happens is our brain latches on to what we're used to and what we know and what we've experienced for so long, even if it's harmful and even if it's not peaceful. And yet somehow we still find comfort in that. And that is not because it's comfortable and it's not because we're happy, but it's because it's familiar. Think about the cycle of abuse, and not just in families, relationships, and partnerships, but even in the workplace. As much as we hate the pain associated with abuse, and we hate the culture, and we hate the environment, and we hate the person inflicting it, we'll find that unless there's an intervention and there's a conscious stream of thought, but also self-work that's being done, we all fall back into the cycle and we bring ourselves to act and engage in abusive behaviors even if we did not like it when it was happening to us and that's all coming from that familiarity it's all coming from that place of comfort because recognizing and 
implying and taking that first initiative and that first step of change is uncomfortable. So we rather kind of stay in this like comfort of the abuse or comfort of these toxic work traits. So here's a real life example in case that didn't really make sense. I used to be in the research world. So I got my bachelor's and my master's and I was doing research throughout both of that. And then I actually started in my PhD program. And as a woman of color, I was automatically drawn to other women, especially women of color in the field, because we tend to be attracted to those we idealize and those that we see ourselves in. So in finding these women, I'm expecting them to see themselves in me right back, right? This young, ambitious person that really wants to make it out there. So I'm expecting almost help, for lack of better words, but I'm expecting someone to help me up, someone that teaches me the ropes and teaches me the struggles of what it was like when they were here so that I don't have to go through that and I can just focus on the struggles that I'm going to go through, but not necessarily this repeated pattern, you know, kind of like you want someone to tell you that the stove is hot before you place your hand on there yourself if they just got burned from it, if that makes sense. However, unfortunately, and this is an issue that has been kind of addressed more lately, but it's still very prevalent. But there's a large number of women of color that are established and have great accomplishment in the research field that actually feel the need to continue the cycle of academic abuse. Believe it or not, you would think that they would kind of want to cut it out because they experienced it, but I don't think that they do it intentionally. And it's not like I've had a conversation with one of them to see what goes through their head. But the idea that tends to kind of float around is it's been done to us, so you have to go through it. And again, this is not everyone, but it is that comfort. It is this idea that this is the pattern. This is what's comfortable for me to be a successful principal investigator, for me to be a successful person in my power. I cannot let people abuse me. I cannot let people take advantage of me. So I'm going to incorporate the same emotional and mental abuse that I was subject to because look at me I turned out just fine and this happens with family this happens with relationships this happens with everything I just decided to use an example that was far away from what I guess the majority of my listeners would have experienced just to explain to you how prevalent this ideology is amongst literally anything and everything. And again, I will reiterate that fortunately, there has been a lot of change and awareness brought to this topic in the academic field, but it still exists. And I actually truly don't believe that it's always out of malicious intent, but it's simply out of being comfortable. These professionals, like I said, know and remember how they were treated. And so subconsciously, there is comfort in that previous experience. There is comfort in knowing the ropes of that cycle. And so it carries on and it carries through and they kind of keep it up unless they intentionally do the work and place the acknowledgement in effect that they want to put an end to it. 
So again, it's the same idea all across. Our brain has stored a series of past events. And if we're being told that such actions are the result of love or affection or care or any other positively associated emotion, we'll make that connection and automatically resort to those behaviors when in need or in effort to convey those feelings or like complete a specific desired outcome. But fear not, I am never one to leave you hanging. So how do we break this cycle? I have three steps because for some reason, three is the number that sticks in my head. So I always try to simplify things in threes. One, awareness. Being aware that such cycles exist. I think awareness is 50% of the battle. Knowing that it is hard and knowing that these things exist, but also acknowledging that they exist within us. If we've been exposed to a toxic behavior for a long time or for specifically a pivotal period in our lives, so for example, like our childhood or our teenage years, our first relationship, etc., we may have very well picked up such habits and traits and found comfort in them. So just simply being aware that we too could exhibit these. Two, acknowledge. So again, this awareness that these cycles exist, awareness that they might come within us. But now the second step is acknowledging, knowing that you have them or knowing that you've participated in toxic traits and habits. Honestly, we all have toxic tendencies. I know we're like, oh, toxic people, toxic individuals. But the reality is we're all toxic. The difference between those who remain toxic and become abusive and have that negative connotation and those that don't are the ones that don't have that association and the ones that aren't like that are not people who are I guess intentionally toxic and they are people that are so self-aware that they're trying to better themselves and they're trying to prevent these habits and these cycles from continuing so be one of these people and acknowledge if you've done something wrong it's not the end of the world I've been toxic I know you have everyone has we all have our traits We all have our tendencies. It's all about breaking the cycle and not being perfect. So don't focus on perfection. And the final thing is get help. Everyone needs help. Have you ever heard the term is like, if your therapist doesn't have a therapist, then run the other way? Everyone who helps gets help. It's a cycle. It's not that those that help us are more capable. It's just that Having an outside perspective often leads to a lot more knowledge and a lot more, I guess, emotional dissociation from the situation and therefore a much logical, much more logical and not simply an emotionally driven response. So you're capable of change. But the thing is, we aren't always capable of noticing the things that we personally need to change. It's so easy for us to point out what's wrong with so-and-so and and this person and my ex's new girlfriend or whatever, you know what I mean? But it's so hard for us to notice what is wrong with us and what needs to be changing within us. And that's an imperative, imperative part to your change and to breaking the cycle. Being in a place and being surrounded by people that won't 
kid you and people that are upfront and honest, but also people that you trust and people that you find comfort in so that whenever they are telling you these things, you're not taking them as an attack, but rather you are taking them as beneficial and you're seeing the best out of them and they are actually helping you to grow and evolve. Also, it's a lot easier for us to change when we have an external source holding us accountable. Let's be honest, we all seek validation and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So why don't we use that to our advantage? Our brain and our body loves validation from hugs to high fives to fist pumps. We're trained for validations from such a young age. So use it, use it to your advantage. Listen to what works for you and utilize that in the things that you need to start working for you. Finally, I just want to end by saying don't find shame in the past. I think shame does a really good job of holding us back. But like, don't beat yourself up. We've done things. We've all been there. And it doesn't matter. What matters is the actions you are taking today. What you are doing right now to make your future and your present different from your past. So start today. Start right now. Self-awareness is something that doesn't come naturally and especially not in an I culture and in a society that inflicts on you an ideology of who and what you need to perceive yourself as. And so it's hard and it's not going to come overnight. However, it sheds light on such a different part of your life. It's one of the most empowering feelings to be able to know who you are, why you are the way you are, and how you can gain control over that and create the person and the life and the journey that you want out of this. And this isn't going to happen in a day, a week, or even a year. This is something that you've been so trained in for God knows how long. You have tendencies, ideologies, schemas, which is something I bring up a lot, that you've held on for your entire life. So you're not going to change in a day, in a week, or in a year. Sometimes it takes more. What's more important is your journey. What's more important is that progress and not the perfection. Start somewhere, start today, and stop being comfortable and start redefining comfort your mind, your body, and your soul will thank you. Till next week, stay empowered.